Death is coming for us all, and there's nothing we can do about it. But death isn't the end of the story because the end of death is coming. Jesus' resurrection was the death blow to death. We're not going to remain in the ground forever because our bodies and souls belong to Jesus, and he's coming back to get us. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Fox Den. I've been way behind on my episodes, and there's a couple reasons for this. For this episode, I had an obligation to take care of, and I wasn't able to record it till I returned from that obligation. But for several of the other episodes, my family and I had to spend time with my mom. She was terminal for quite some time, so we went to spend Christmas with her. And it had been several years since we celebrated Christmas at my mom's place. But since we weren't sure how long she had to live, we went to visit her. And while I was there, I didn't have a place to record a new episode, so I didn't take my equipment. I recorded episode 88 at my house just before we flew to my mom's place, and then I did the editing there. And after I completed episode 88, I uploaded it, then began to work on episode 89, again while spending time with my mom. Then following our visit with mom at Christmas, we took some time to visit some friends in Alaska. And while we were there, mom moved to hospice. When we returned home, I finished episode 89 and then I uploaded it. And then I began to work on episode 90. But before I could finish that episode, we decided that I needed to return to my mom's. We could tell that her health was declining and declining rapidly. When we saw her at Christmas, she looked like grandma with a few limitations but we could hear in her voice that she was getting worse, and she knew it. When I got to her place, she was limited to about a four-foot radius, and then within days she was bed-bound and becoming unresponsive. She would wake up long enough to take her medicine and sip some water, and in a matter of days, she died. Death sucks. It ravishes the body. We saw how quickly death consumed my mom and took the life out of her. It's horrible to watch a loved one die. But death is a part of our lives. Not only do we have loved ones who've died, death is coming for us all, and there's nothing we can do about it. History has proven that nobody will live forever in this life. And why is that? Well, we're going to die because we deserve it. We earn death. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that death is the wages of sin. And a wage is something that you work for. It's something that you earned from your work, from your labor. So we earn death because we sinned. But where did sin come from? Did God create us to sin? No, God created Adam and Eve perfect. He created them without sin. But if they're sinless, then how did sin enter the scene? Well, God put Adam in the garden and commanded him not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he told Adam that in the day that he ate from it, he would surely die. And then from Adam, God created Eve, and she lived with Adam in the Garden of Eden. Then the serpent, who was Satan, tempted Eve to eat the forbidden fruit, and she did. And then she gave it to Adam, and he ate the forbidden fruit. And at that point, Adam and Eve recognized their guilt. They sinned against the holy God of the universe, and therefore, they earned death because of Adam's sin. You see, God didn't create us to die. 
He actually created us to live. But Adam earned death for us by violating the holy law of God, by eating the forbidden fruit. So what is sin? Well, let's take a look at the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 14. And it answers by saying, sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. Said another way, sin is not doing what God commands and doing what God forbids. So Adam sinned against God by doing what God forbade, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. With this sin, the first sin of mankind, Adam earned death for all humans descending from him. This is known as the fall of mankind. So why did mom die? Well, she was guilty in Adam. He earned death for mom, and he earned death for all of us by his act of disobedience, by eating the forbidden fruit. Now, perhaps you think it's wrong that Adam earned death for you. You're likely thinking, that's not fair, that I'm found guilty because of another man's disobedience. And I get that, but the Bible is very clear. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that death spread to all men, so all men will die. And death entered through one man because sin entered through him. And that man is Adam. You see, Adam was our representative in the Garden of Eden. When he sinned, he sinned on our behalf. When he sinned, we sinned. So his sin is our sin. Therefore, Adam earned death for you, for me, and the entire human race who descended from him. Now listen to question 16 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It asks, did all mankind fall in Adam's first transgression? And it answers by saying, the covenant being made with Adam, not only for himself, but for his posterity, all mankind descending from him by ordinary generation, sinned in him and fell with him in his first transgression. You see, we sinned in Adam and we fell with him when he sinned against God by eating the forbidden fruit. Now, just so you know, we're saved in the same way. You're not saved by your own efforts, your own merit, your own righteousness. How could you be? I just showed you that you're guilty in Adam. And the confirmation that you're a sinner is that you sin. And not only that, you're going to die. However, though you're guilty in Adam, you add to your own guilt by your own sin. So if you're guilty in sin, how can you be righteous? It's impossible for you to be righteous because you're guilty of sin, Adam's and your own. So how could you be found right in the eyes of God by your good works? Simply put, you can't. Therefore, you need a representative in order to be saved from sin, death, the devil, and the wrath of God. And Jesus is our representative in his perfect life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. Now, I'm not going to discuss this principle here because it's not the main topic of this episode. You can listen to episode 60 where I discuss fallen and saved by representation. However, at this point, I do want to state that where Adam earned death for us, Jesus earned life for us. What does that mean? Does that mean that our spirits will live in heaven where we will sit on clouds and play harps? No, God created us physical beings. He created us with bodies and souls. So earning life means that he earned life in our bodies and souls. Wait a minute, you might ask. If Jesus earned life for believers, then why do they die? Well, first, we're sinners. We deserve the penalty of sin, which is death. 
But second, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 affirms that it's appointed for man to die once. But this is what you need to know. Death isn't the end of the story. At my mom's and my dad's graveside services, I informed everyone there that the graveyard was filled with dead bodies because of sin. And even though on those days we were there to bury my parents, that wasn't the end of the story. When you see your loved ones lying in a casket, it seems that death was victorious. After all, your loved ones aren't walking and talking with you. Instead, their bodies rest lifeless. But death hasn't won. In fact, it's already lost. How can I say that when my parents are lying in their graves at this very moment? Well, first of all, think of a football game. Let's say that there are 30 seconds left in the game and your team is ahead by 28 points and your team has the ball. There's no way for the opposing team to score enough points to win. You see, you've already won, but the game isn't over. There's still time left on the clock. And that means that the game must continue until there's no time left. And this is similar to life on earth. The end of the game hasn't yet come, so people continue to die. But death isn't the end of the story because the end of death is coming. And this is a guarantee because Jesus is victorious over death. How is he victorious? Well, first, Jesus was born. Jesus is God who became human. And he really is God and he really is a man. I was intentional when I said that all humans descending from Adam are guilty of Adam's sin. Though Jesus' mother was a human, his father was not. You see, Joseph was not his biological father. Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Listen to Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Here an angel is speaking to Joseph because he wanted to quietly call off the marriage because Mary was pregnant and the child wasn't his. And Matthew says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Mary was pregnant by the power of God. And therefore, Jesus is not a descendant of Adam, but he is human. And that means that Jesus is sinless. He's not guilty in Adam as we are. Well, after Jesus was born, he lived over 30 years and he never sinned. Yet he took our sins on himself and died the death we deserve. So the wrath of God was poured out on him because of our sin. He suffered the punishment of sin even though he was sinless. Well, after Jesus died, he was buried, confirming his death. And we affirm this in our historic creeds and confessions. Listen to a portion of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. So why do we affirm the death and the burial of Jesus? Why not just his death? Well, there's a couple reasons for this. First, it confirms that Jesus actually died. Had we simply had the record of his death and not his burial, some could argue that he didn't really die. In fact, there are some who argue this today. They would suggest that Jesus merely passed out from the trauma. However, though I won't go into it here, it takes a lot more faith to believe that Jesus survived the crucifixion yet just passed out 
than believing that he actually died on the cross. How could any man survive that brutality? Furthermore, they broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus to make sure they died. You see, the Romans were experts in killing and death, but they didn't break the legs of Jesus because they knew he was already dead. Is it possible that they made a mistake and they didn't break his legs because they thought he was dead when actually he was still alive? Well, I don't think so. Again, they were experts in death. They did this all the time. Jesus wasn't the first man they crucified. So the burial of Jesus' body confirms his death. But second, Jesus had to be buried in order to be called from the grave. Little spoiler alert. That's what's going to happen to us. And this leads us into the main point. Jesus didn't remain in the grave. He rose from the dead on the third day. This is far more significant than you might think. After all, people have risen from the dead in the past only to die again. For instance, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. Well, where's Lazarus today? In the grave. He died again. He's not walking around on earth. But the resurrection of Jesus is far more significant. First, he never died again. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we see Jesus ascending to heaven, where he sits at the place of honor, the right hand of the Father. But second, he's the first fruit of the harvest. Take a look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 23. There he says, But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is about resurrection or rising from the dead. And Jesus' resurrection is the first to come, followed by our resurrection when he returns. Remember what I said earlier, that the end of the game has yet to come? That's where we are in history. There's still time on the clock, and the game clock must run out before Jesus returns. However, we're ahead by a million points. We have the ball. But do you know why you will rise from the dead? Because Jesus did. He's the first fruit. He's the first to rise from the dead, to never die again. Think of agriculture. That's what Paul has in mind when he calls Jesus the first fruit. How do you know the harvest is coming when the first fruit appears? You see, that's proof that there's more fruit to come. And this is very similar to the resurrection. You know you will rise from the dead because Jesus did. But again, this is far more significant than simply rising from the dead. What happened when Jesus rose from the dead? He struck a death blow to death. He won. Death lost. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 to 57. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, death is already lost. Paul uses a present tense verb. He doesn't say that death will be swallowed up in victory but that death is swallowed up in victory, and it no longer has a sting. This victory isn't the result of your own efforts. This victory is from God through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Jesus' resurrection was the death blow to death. Death sucks. It wasn't fun to watch it take over my mom and snuff the life out of her. But that's not the end of the story. We have to be careful not to be disheartened. I read the first question of the Heidelberg Catechism at my mom's and my dad's graveside services. And I think it's appropriate to read here. It asks, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And it answers by saying that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has delivered me from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Our bodies and our souls belong to Jesus when we walk on earth and when our bodies lie in the grave. And when our bodies are put in the ground, it feels like death won. But this is temporary. We're not going to remain in the ground forever because our bodies and souls belong to Jesus and he's coming back to get us. Listen to what he says in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. There's coming a day when Jesus will return and he's going to call God's people from our graves and death will no longer have a grip on us because even though death sucks, it's toast. That concludes this episode. If you have any questions, please email me at terry at thefoxdenjournal.com. If you enjoy The Fox Den, please leave a positive review and share this podcast with others. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. The Fox Den is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Thanks for listening. And remember, faith comes by hearing.